Hello, everybody, and welcome to G-Wiz, your family-friendly podcast where we discuss D&D Onslaught, Dice Masters, Heroclix, and the other entertaining games made by WizKids. I'm WizDad, the only member of the Dad Wizards faction. I can make a quarter appear from behind your ear, and my reflexes are second to none. However, basically everything is hindering terrain to me, and I will have to use at least two movement points to move practically anywhere. I will be your guide for navigating the competitive and casual scene of the WizKids Triforce of Gaming. It's Onslaught Wednesday, and we have some Construct spoilers to talk about, as well as we're going to talk about kind of the future of Onslaught and what really needs to happen on our part to make the game succeed. But first, let's talk about those Construct spoilers in the WizKids Progress Report. Kowalski, Progress Report. Before we hop into talking about the Ancient Construct, I do want to mention that we've gotten some hints at what the next tournaments are going to be, the major, major tournaments. Um, we know that WizKids is going to have some sort of presence at PAX Unplugged. I don't think there's going to be a major tournament there. They might do some onslaught things there, but I don't think the next major tournament's going to be there. The biggest hints that we've gotten is that Adepticon is probably where it's going to be, because I think that was one of the first tournaments that they held for Onslaught. Um, as a reminder, Adepticon is, I believe, in, like, Chicago. Um, I believe that's where it is. It's, like, uh, in one of the suburbs. Whatever uh, Schaumburg is, I think that's, like, a northern, like, a northwest suburb of Chicago. But either way, uh, that's where it's held. It's in March, so you have plenty of time to plan for it. Uh, there's not a 100% confirmation that it's going to be there, but it's pretty likely that's where it's going to be. Um, Adepticon is like a large mini-type tournament, uh, tournament uh, convention. They usually have a ton of tournaments and games there. Uh, it's much smaller scale than Gen Con. Uh, looking at their website, I think they said they had about 6,000. 6,500 attendees in 2023. So, whereas, like, Gen Con had, like, oh, like, 10 times that. So, definitely keep an eye out. Mark it on your calendar. Um, I am probably going to try to make it. It is in March. That's, you know, six months away. Plenty of time to plan. My city also has a direct flight to Chicago, so that's, that's extra helpful. So, just mark it on your calendar and stay up to date on the Onslaught Discord. Speaking of the Discord, if you're not part of the Onslaught Discord, there are two Onslaught Discords. The first one was created for Onslaught and then kind of unfortunately abandoned. Uh, that one is known as D&D Onslaught, they both are, but this one has the little mimic chest as an icon. Uh, people are still there, people still talk on that, but really the main one is the D&D Onslaught one that has the main logo on it. So definitely make sure you're on the one that has the logo of the game. That is the primary Discord. And the reason why it's important is because um, while uh, lead designers are on both, primarily the talk discussion happens on the one with the main logo. So when I reference the Discord, that is the Discord I'm referencing to. Uh, we saw... A couple days ago, um, Nicholas Yu was nice enough to show us the Ancient Construct. Basically, he received his copy, and all of these are supposed to be coming out, I believe, next month in October, uh, or November? It might be November. Um, 
But basically remember, the Ancient Construct is supposed to be the first organized play kit. Uh, whereas before, if you saw in the interview I did with, with Nicholas U. Nick U. On, um, on my YouTube page, uh, all the OP kits that we've had thus far are just kind of like re-sculpts, like a, diff a different paint job on some of the minis, like a foil card. Nothing that kind of... Like, that's kind of like basic level OP kit stuff. Like, oh, that would be neat to have. Like, I love the drum that I have. The drum has the, like, the broken bottle and he's given the, like, come at me sign. That's super cool. But there's definitely more desire for OP kits that have ramifications to the game. Basically, it changes something. A character, new character, new mechanic in the game. And that's where we get the Ancient Construct. So he did post pictures of it on the Discord. I'm going to go over it just a little bit. Uh, basically, the kit comes with, um, and this is like a multi, I believe a multi-week thing. He did not post like the rules or, or anything like that. There's no scenario listed. It's just purely the dials, the cards, and the sculpts. And basically, the kit looks like it includes four versions of the Ancient Construct. Now, once again, the Ancient Construct takes up two character slots on your roster um, the way it makes up for that is that it kind of has like a double life it can it takes up two activate uh, activations during a round which kind of helps offset the fact that it's taking two turns so what we see on the dial let me go over just the base stats of the ancient construct uh now the construct and its artificer there's also another character a conke who is a artificer, uh, they're both cell swords. So that means the construct could go on any team. He will only count as one cell sword. Uh, and I believe a conke has wording on its card to say that it will supersede the one cell sword requirement to be able to put on a team with ancient construct. But I'll get to that. Let's start with ancient construct. Um, and I believe he only posted the one card i don't know if he posted the second card uh because the way it works or the card flips over my mistake uh basically what happens is there are two sides to the card he did post most of both basically once you get down from one dial on the the first card when he's like fully powered it flips over he loses an a activation and he now turns to the other side, which is like a much more beaten up ancient construct, which means his abilities change um, in addition to a, a few other things. The ancient construct actually has let me look, uh, six variations of the card. So he has a main card like we're used to with characters. And then there are six additional little cards that change his role. Uh, so when you're going into a game, if you need... And each role has literally a role to tie to it. So there's a tactician, a healer, a vanguard, melee, range, and hybrid. All six of those, there are a variation of that for the construct. They each have like a little single card with no wheels on it that you can uh, swap out at the beginning of the game. You don't swap it out in the middle of the game, but you could say, okay, this is going to be the mage ancient construct i'm actually not clear on whether or not you could swap it out between games whether you have to stick to the same one but uh i assume you could switch them out in between but we don't have all the rules 
of the ancient construct yet. So anyway, so the ancient construct full power has uh, smash, which is uh, one enemy at range plus five to hit two damage. Standard stuff, right? Then chain fist is the ranged attack. One enemy at two to four plus five to hit two damage. Critical is plus one damage, plus one damage with, and then an additional plus one damage if it's a melee hit. Uh, Ancient Construct has a construct ability that says you you cannot be healed by other minis and cannot level up. And so you may be thinking, whoa, hold on. He can't level up? What, is, what does that mean? Well, okay. So he still gets XP. He gains XP at the end of his activation. Like, he has an XP dial. His abilities, specifically the ones for his roles... If you choose to have a roll, use XP to uh, alter them, to modify them, and we'll get into that. The base construct has two abilities, Empower Rend, which is a standard, a two-turn cooldown. One enemy at range one to two, plus five to hit, three damage. So basically think of it as just like an additional damage, but it's a range one to two, so... That gives him a little bit of, of a reach and increases his damage. So, And it's only a turn two, two turn cooldown, so not crazy. And then he has self-repair, which is a standard and a move. He heals himself for. It's a once-per-game type effect. He has a reaction, which is deflect attack. When you are damaged, reduce the damage by one. And that's a three-turn cooldown. So right off the bat, you're thinking, oh, that's kind of boring. Not much to it. Well, once again, I mentioned he has six cards that change his role. First off, let's go over the mage, which is the tactician. You may use the cooldown ability of Empower Rend for the following ability instead. Orb Blast, standard, two turn cooldown. One enemy at range two to four, plus six to hit, plus ten if you are bloodied. Two damage, and you may spend any amount of XP to move that target away from you that many spaces. So you see how that comes into play? First turn, he's going to automatically get an XP. So, if you're playing a mage character, you know, because he has activations, you can run up, hit with a chain fist, and then basically this ability replaces the Empower Rend. It says you may use the dial for the following ability instead. I assume that means you can't swap back and forth. That might need some clarification. Uh, or like you can keep the old one. So like if I don't want to use Orb Blast, I can use Empower Rend. That makes sense. Um, the other ability, the one that had self-repair, that you can use the dial self-repair instead, which is a once per game, is Refraction. Standard and move action, once again, once per game. It's a cone effect of four. Ooh, that's huge. Plus five to hit. Two damage, and you may move the target up to two spaces. This attack does not target friendly characters. So that's like a big blast out. Because a four cone is pretty big. And then, also replacing the reaction, is phase shift. After an enemy ends their movement adjacent to you, spend, up, spend any amount of XP to warp the amount spent. I don't know, teleport, I guess is probably the right word. So that was just Mage. So Mage has kind of a ranged attack, an orb blast and refraction, and then a phase shift. 
the Apothecary, which is the healer. And once again, I'll go through and each of these are replacing the Empower Rend, Self-Repair, and Deflect Attack, respectively. Mending Ray. This time it's a bonus action, three turn cooldown. One friendly at range one to three, heal one. You may spend any amount of XP to increase the healing by the amount of XP spent, plus one healing if you are bloodied. Okay, that's a pretty good heal. Being able to use that XP to bump it up to like three, something like that. Remember, Construct does not level up, so you still want XP because it boosts your abilities. For the self-repair, this one's called Shutdown, standard and move once per game, set your hit points to maximum, and gain rooted and weakened. That's pretty good. I like that. And then you have redirect attack for your reaction. When you suffer damage, you may spend any amount of XP to reduce the damage by that amount. The attacker takes damage equal to half of the amount reduced. So you're probably dealing like two damage. One to two damage. Next up we have Defender, which is the Vanguard. Shield Charge is a standard 3 turn cooldown. Move up to your speed, spending any amount of XP to move that many extra spaces and make a close attack against an adjacent target with plus 2 to hit and plus 1 damage. So that would make it a plus 7 and 3 damage. Then you have Smash, which is a standard to move. You, you kind of see the... Uh, the trend they're doing with these, these secondary abilities, all of them are standard of moves. And once per game. So smash, one enemy at range 1 to 2 plus 5 to hit, 2 damage, and the target gains stunned, plus 1 if you are bloodied. Okay. Then you have redirect attack, same thing written as the previous one, as the healer. That was the defender as vanguard, if I didn't mention that. Up next, we have Soldier, which I believe is the uh, hybrid. Giant Slash is your three-turn cooldown standard. One enemy at range one to two, plus four to hit, three damage. When you declare this attack, you may spend XP to increase the damage by one for each XP spent. That's pretty good. I like that. So you have potential of doing like five damage. Because after two turns, go in there and attack. You know, you could be building up XP, and then you could be giant slashing them for a lot of damage like a lot of damage whirlwind standard move target your space plus four to hit then it's like a splash of one around you three damage when you declare this attack you may spend xp to increase the the splash range by one for each oh that's cool so you go in whirlwind right now it's just everyone adjacent you use xp to expand that to everyone two squares away potentially three squares away and dealing three damage is pretty good um and then the soldier has combat reflexes we know what that is if an adjacent character moves away no longer adjacent make a free attack against that character next is arbalist which is the ranger giant bolts standard one enemy at range two to three plus five to hit three damage you may spend XP to increase the maximum range by the amount of XP spent. Oh, that's fun. That's that's neat, actually. And you know, I wonder... So the cooldowns for these first abilities are pretty low. Remember, he lowers... You lower... 
I guess it'll be interesting to see how this works with having two activations. Because obviously you lower cooldowns at the end of the round. So you really have to be thinking about... Like you're gaining XP quickly, at least two a turn, if you don't hit anything. So, hmm. That is interesting. He could do a lot of damage. Anyway, uh, back to Arbalest Giant Bolts. One enemy at two to three, plus five to hit three damage. Oh, that's the maximum range. I already said that. Barrage, standard of movement, once per game. One enemy at two to five, plus seven to hit, two damage. When you declare this attack, you may spend XP to add one additional target for each two XP spent. Each target is a separate attack. Okay. And then uh, the reaction is opportunity attack. We know what that is. The last one that's on there is Grappler. Um, and this one's a little harder to read. Uh, grappler, Spinning Strike, Standard, 3 turn cooldown, target your space, plus 5 to hit, another little splash zone of 1, 2 damage. When you declare this attack, you may spend 2 XP. If you do any mini hit by this attack, gains slowed and weakened. Okay. That's cool. You can easily get up to 2. Because that'll be round two by the time you're ready. You'll be able to run up there and be able to um, spin around and hit multiple people and give them slowed and weakened and deal them two damage. Pretty good. And also remember, the Ancient Construct's a bigger sculpt. It's not the one square. It's a four square mini. So keep that in mind. Um, I'm assuming they need to make sure, uh, for Heroclix purposes, they had to very much detail what is called what we used to call whale tailing because there was a giant whale called uh, giganto where basically you can't like when you move your character up all your spaces have to move that amount not oh i choose one square i move that four and then i kind of flip my character around to where i'm still only moving that one square four but all the other squares don't i'll have to look in the wording of the rules for that and make sure it lines up. I haven't thought about that. The second grappler ability once per turn, standard move, or once per game. Surge. Friendly characters that range one to three may move up to their up to half their movement. If you are blood bloodied, they may move up to their full movement. Okay. And then their reaction is grapple. After an adjacent enemy moves, if they are no longer adjacent, make a free attack against the enemy. If the target is hit, it suffers no damage and gains rooted. Solid. And so this is, all those abilities are from one ancient construct. You can only choose one card per game. I'll get clarification on if you can change that between games. Uh, but that's super cool. Super cool. It could go on any team. Um, now his bloody dial, let me talk about that for a hot second. Um. Well, not his bloody dial, but basically when he is definitely hit and weakened, uh, we don't have the full dial. Uh, what we can see is that it has deflect attack. When you are damaged, reduce the damage by two. That's a reaction. And we it has the same abilities at the top, I assume. It does have gain two XP at the end of the activation. So that's interesting. It kind of powers up. And it does have self-repair which is plus six, but we don't know the other ability. Um, once you lose one of the dials, I'm assuming you can't go back to the other one. So 
Once you lose one of the activations, you're done with that activation. Now this OP kit also comes with a Konke the Artificer, which is a Goblin Artificer. What we know about a, a Konke is a standard melee unarmed one enemy at range 1, plus 2 to hit, 1 damage. So that's, that's actually bad. Alchemist Fire, 1 enemy at range 2 to 5, plus 5 to hit, a splash zone of 1, 1 damage. That's better. Critical, the target gains burning. If you include a Konke, you can also include Ancient Construct, ignoring the Sellsword restriction. After you cause a character to gain a Condition Token, gain 1 XP as its XP level up. It has Healing Elixir Standard. Oh, and it's one of the charges. So it has a 2 charge. One friendly at range 0 to 1, heal 4. This can affect Constructs. Cool. Akanke is a healer role. I should have mentioned that. The other ability is Elixir of Boldness, a bonus action, three charges, one friendly at range 0 to 1 to gain Boldness, which is one teleport, not teleport, sorry, one movement, plus one movement, and plus two to hit with all attacks. So like a dumbed down version of Chloe a bit, but we know Chloe is insane, so that's fine. But he could keep doing that, whereas Chloe has a pretty lengthy, pretty lengthy, uh, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, cooldown. We also have, uh, Take Shelter is the reaction ability, but we don't have the full card. When you, yeah, I, I can't see, he didn't post the full card for that, unfortunately. So, it'll be a mystery what that means. Uh, the level up cards, though, for Akanke, I believe he did post those. Let's see. Yeah. Uh, Alchemical Savant, after you hit a target with your range attack, if it gains burning... Oh, so basically it, it ups it to where it's no longer on a critical, it's just purely a gain burning. The other one is Extra Flasks, add one charge to each of your charge abilities. So pretty solid, right? Not bad. Akanke is cool, you might want him if you want to be able to, you know, heal your ancient construct a bit more. At that point, I would not play, obviously, the healer version of the Construct and a Konka healer. That might be way too much healing and not enough damage, but, um, man, there's a lot of cool combos you could do with that. A lot of cool combos. Well, we've talked a lot here in the progress report. I kind of went over a lot of the Ancient Construct. Let's head over to Fishing with Wizdad, and what I want to talk about there is the future of Onslaught and what we as a community need to be doing to help foster the game and build it up to where we want it to be. Get your gear, little man. We're going fishing. And I mean now. So I don't really intend for this to be like the state of onslaught address. But basically, now that Worlds is over, it's been over for a couple weeks now, we're kind of the... the excitement of it has died down and we're now looking to the future i do want to talk about the future of onslaught right now we have frogmire comes out this next month i will be posting an unboxing hopefully later this week maybe at the beginning of next week or this weekend uh, to show all the different pieces and parts of the frogmire coven expansion it's a very cool expansion and we have the as i just talked about the ancient construct op kit 
which is for stores to play. I know I've, I've tried to get my store to order one. Uh, I think it costs stores, depending on where you're located, like in the 40s and 50s. So keep that in mind when you're doing an event. Depending on how many people, you want to make sure the stores offset the cost, right? You don't want them to have to pay front the cost and make nothing from it. And I think that's where I want to talk about is what we need to do to foster this community. Because we are gifted as community members a game that is fundamentally strong. The rules are strong. The game itself is very entertaining. It's unique. It's a game that uh, doesn't feel boring, if that makes sense. We also are gifted a game that is non-collectible, which is great. They're greater, you could argue great or bad, but for the sake of the game, it's great that you don't have a bunch of blind boosters for that. I wouldn't be opposed, side note, opposed down the line if they wanted to do like a, uh, like a D&D &D mini, you know, they have those boxes, the blind booster boxes, which I don't buy because they're expensive. But if they wanted to do something like that, but had, um, random minis once the game gets bigger like random alternate minis for some of the pieces that'd be kind of cool I, I do like a little bit of black box but we're fortunate that it's not if you want to get into the game you know exactly how to get the figures you need you don't have to go and buy a bunch of boosters to try to get that one zook that you need no you just go buy the set that you need you go buy red wizards you go buy mini arrows no big deal we also have very emphatic designers who are, communicate very well with the community, who support the game. They run the events at at WizKids Worlds. Like, that's awesome, man. That's awesome that they're so involved. And so that leads to, okay, they're doing as best as they can to promote this game. Yes, we could talk about the elephant in the room, the price point there's been arguments about the price point for a while i'll lay it out again for those who haven't heard it the msrp i believe is 140 that is absolutely worth what is in the box 140 though is a little bit of a high price point to get someone that is new to the game to commit right hey buddy did you like this game cool it's 140 dollars to enter and you probably want some other pieces, so it'll be an additional 50, 60, blah, 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 blah. That's a little bit of a high price point for some. And it's a hard selling also for stores to want to run tournaments and pay that much, or whatever they pay for it, to buy like a couple of these sets to be able to run it. If you look at the tournaments that WizKids runs, they use at least eight, 10 main games, like base sets, to set up to run all of their tournaments so not saying locals have to do that if locals you could bring your you could require your players to bring your own that's what you should do but i feel like most stores need to at least own a base set that's open that you can use to demo but either way the price point is a little high now we have gotten confirmation multiple times there is a starter set with new new stuff in it so it's not just a you know a, a copy of the base game shrunken down no there's going to be a new starter coming out in 2024 at some point that has a lower price point a better entry point to get people interested in the game buy into it and that leads them to then buy the 140 or the frogmire or the other set so that's coming WizKids is doing what they're doing 
We can't complain about that. We're going to have more factions. We're going to have more stuff coming down the line. We know what we're getting for the rest of the year. 2024 is shiny and gold, and we know we can't wait for it. But what can we be doing is my question. I've heard a lot of people, and I'm one of those, that says I don't have a local community to play with. I just don't. Um, the game has not taken off here in Tennessee. Uh, that is... Once again, probably due to the price point, but also due to a little bit of WizKids marketing, uh, not knowing, you know, it. it's hard for stores to buy into certain games. It really depends on, stores rely on their players to be interested and then also promote the games. And that's where we come in. So for me, for example, what I've been doing, and I'm gonna continue to do, is I, my local area, uh, my local stores, gaming stores, they have a Facebook page. They have a store page and then they have a, a Facebook page for games. So it's like, I play games, blah, blah. And so in that group, people post about Battletech and Warhammer, Lord of the Rings, Locana, all of that stuff. And they post, hey, when do you guys want to meet up, blah, 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 blah. Now, obviously, there are set nights that certain things happen at the store. Friday Night Magic, you have a Crisis Protocol, you have a D&D happening. So there's set days right so what i've been doing and i need to do it again actually is i've been going on there and basically saying hey i'm wanting to start an onslaught community if anyone has ever looked at the game interested in playing a miniature skirmish game that that has DD adjacent rules just comment on my, on this post and we'll schedule a time and i'll meet you at the store and we can talk about it because you can't just demo and say, oh, I'm going to be there every Tuesday and play. I mean, that's probably not the best idea. You could do that once or twice, but you might be sitting there for a while. And I've already gotten one person that was interested. We sat down and he, you know, he friended me on Facebook and we'll see how it goes. And what I'm planning on doing is doing this consistently. And once I get up to like three or four people, five or six, then I'm hoping we could all decide on a night and plan on going and say, hey, let's all go. And let's play now when i demoed i have a copy of the preview kit i got one when i went to gen con last year because they gave those out if you did the demo the preview kit is perfect for demoing the game and introducing someone to the game it is perfect that way you don't have to bring the whole kit now i would still bring the base set to show them the potential but when you actually sit them down to play a game, the preview kit is perfect. Because you can sit down, you can choose which side you want, you only have two characters to worry about, you roll some dice, you see how the mechanics work, you see how victory points are done for this scenario, you see how looting the treasure is, blah, 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 blah. It's perfect for that. Because you don't want to overwhelm new players by saying, here's the big game, and like, throw it down, you've got five characters, but now we got to do the initiative cards and lay all this out. That could be much, right? That could be much for some people. So I brought the preview kit just to kind of give a baseline and, and I explain, you know, each base set comes with six of each faction, blah, 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 blah. You choose five. And I tried my best. I, it was, I feel like I'm a pretty good teacher uh, for things. Uh, I mean, I'm doing this podcast to talk to people about the game. I mean, I feel like I'm a pretty good ambassador for it, uh, but I could do better. So um, he was interested in it. Like I said, we became Facebook friends, and I'm hoping he'll continue on. And I had another person mention it, and I need to still reach out to him. But that's one step I would do, is just find a local you like playing other games at. Make a post, man. Just 
Put yourself out there. The only way this is going to work is if we, the players, put ourselves out there. And even if you're not confident in your abilities to, like, know all the rules, that's okay. You can even put in your post, I'm learning this game and would love to see if anyone wants to learn the game with me. And then people will show up and be like, hey, does anybody have an hour or two they want to sit down and let's just, you know, look into this game together and go from there. And um, I would recommend that. Another thing I would recommend, and this is something on my to-do list, is I want to make a Facebook group specifically for Onslaught for my state or my general area. I know the St. Louis guys do this. I plan on doing that for Tennessee, which is where I am at. And basically have, you know, the people I meet, the people I demo with, have them join that group so we can have a bigger discussion on, hey, what night do we want to play? Let's talk about upcoming releases. Um, basically something a little bit more centralized so that way we people can host tournaments all around the state and we know where and when that's happening. So that's the first steps of kind of trying to build a local community. You want to have like a base game and a ideally a preview kit i think you could still buy those on like ebay or something um i've, I've seen some people buying them so that'd be I, I actually don't know if how many are available out there the next thing i would like to mention is tournaments now this comes from building a community but you can't rely on WizKids to host every tournament let's be real here it's just not going to happen. That's the same with how it happened in Heroclix. Everyone will love WizKids to run every single tournament. They do not have the manpower to do that. That's where we come up to bat. That's where charity tournaments, tournaments with decent prizing, which I'll talk about in a second, enough prizing to get people to travel. So what I would suggest is if you do have a community, I'm talking to you St. Louis guys out there. Just kidding. Just kidding. Um, post, start posting about tournaments that you want to run that you, you know, make sure there's plenty of advance notice and say, listen, December 10th, we're hosting a big onslaught tournament. We hope people come out to play uh, winner. will get a faction pack or some other goodies. I don't know. There's plenty of things you can get. For cheap that onslaught players would like there's a like those little plastic stands uh that i forgot his name john i sorry i'm bad with names he was using you know the little rings you could put minis on that i saw a bunch of st louis guys were using there's a lot of accessories and stuff that you could provide for people who want to come out and play and you can have a low entry point say it's like 15 dollars, 20 dollar entry come play we'll do multiple rounds of onslaught together at the end someone will be crowned the king of so and so onslaught i don't know they'll get a trophy or a prize of some sort and just start hosting tournaments man get people interested in the game get the computer uh, um, competitive side going and that leads me to my second point something the community needs and i'm explaining all this because these are all things i've wanted to do and i'm just running out of time to do them <laughs> but let's talk about onslaught online for a second so there are two things Onslaught really needs right now to grow as a game, from my opinion, that has to deal with the internet. First off, is we need appropriate database of all the Onslaught pieces. 
most games have that. Um, I know uh, Blanchard Tech has been doing a great job of having like a Excel file or Google Doc that he's doing that has most of the onslaught pieces in it. But we need an official database. One that you could go in, click on a faction, shows all the people, has it look nice and pretty. I have been loosely working on one. Uh, we have multiple for Hero Clicks. There's one for a really good one for Dice Masters. Onslaught just needs that. So that way, if someone wants to go look at stats and stuff, they're not looking at pictures on the Discord. They could just see it. But that takes commitment, and that takes knowledge and time. But it's something that needs to happen. And I'm hoping since my winter is fairly lean, I don't have a lot going on, um, I'll have more time to revisit that because that is something that desperately needs to happen. That way when you go to someone and they're like, oh yeah, this was a, you know, this was a great game. I really enjoyed it. And then they're like, hey, I'm interested in many arrows. Well, who's in many arrows? You point them in the right direction. Here's many arrows. And they can pull up the, you know, go to Onslaught. I don't know a good name. Uh, Onslaught Arsenal or something, right? So that's something that needs to be done. If you're thinking about making one or you've already made one, please let me know. And I'll, I'll promote it. I'll do whatever I can to promote the, that kind of thing. The second thing that needs to happen. And this is definitely less, um, less WizKids related. But we need an online way to play the game. I know I've heard rumors that there's some people trying to get something going on Rule 20. That is probably the best method since this is a 5e adjacent game. We need a built out system in Rule 20 to allow us to play the game. It may be messy, may not be amazing, but it needs to happen. You can build out characters in Rule 20, and I'm actually going to start exploring that this week um, to see where someone went with that, if anyone's finished it. Um, sure, there's Tabletop Simulator, sure, there's other ways. Rule 20 is free and uh a little bit more there's less barrier of entry for roll 20 i think because this game is still so new and still so young and there's not a ton of people with local areas having a roll 20 version would be good because obviously it's going to be like subpar compared to the actual game but it allows people to play games with people from around the world. So if I wanted to play with Brian or Lexi or Doug from the St. Louis area, I could. And we could just hop into Roll20, sit down, and let's play a game. And let's like get some practice in. If I wanted to play with any of the people online, I could. Because, be perfectly frank, WizKids is never going to make an on online version of this game. Do not think for a second they will. Because that is a very high cost with a very little payoff. And that's nothing against WizKids. It's just there's no reason for them to look into that avenue. Same with Wizards. So that's on us to do. We have to create that online like direction. Because if we don't, we're going to be stuck playing in person. And you're going to get a lot of people that are isolated. Out, out in North Dakota or, you know, the middle of Texas and that doesn't have a local community, really wants to play the game and really doesn't know how to get into the game. Maybe they're just playing at their kitchen counter, which is perfectly fine, but they want to play more. So that's the third thing that we need to do. Building a local community is one. 
Start hosting some small tournaments is two. Three, building an online platform through Roll20 would be great. And we can actually combine two and three, and at some point do an online tournament of sorts on Roll20. And we could do it for charity and stuff like that. Uh, not really pay a cost so you don't worry about that kind of thing. But enough to get people playing. And we can eventually get to the point like Dice Masters, like Heroclix, where you have weekly, bi-weekly tournaments to where you get people into the game, playing the game, working out on a meta, helping the designers with rules problems, and really getting good data to push the game forward. The last thing I'll mention as a what we need to do as a community going forward. And this one is hard for me to say because it's getting into my wheelhouse <laughs> and, and nah, who cares? Basically, we need more content creators. I, I'm The reason I made WizDad is that before this, I was primarily a Hero Clicks content creator. I'm one of the hosts of Clickstaff. I play Hero Clicks a lot. And I've enjoyed being a content creator for multiple years for that game. I realized Onslaught was a fantastic game. I enjoyed it. I love I love D&D. And I realized, okay, there's not a lot out there. If you Google, you go out onto YouTube and you look up Onslaught, you will see um, a lot of review videos from some big YouTube channels that maybe reviewed the base game, reviewed some factions, reviewed some you know expansion packs but not a lot of gameplay not a lot of strategy discussion because they just looked at the product reviewed the product and they moved on now you will get some podcasts or like a, i know um uh, the fifth trooper i think did a few videos that were kind of tied to their podcast you might see one or two things but there are not a lot of onslaught creators content creators and for games to thrive, content creators help. Because that's how the word of mouth, that's kind of how today's word of mouth goes, right? You create content, you push it out there, people listen, and they say, Ooh, that's kind of cool, I want to play. And so if someone's getting into the game, and they're like, I want to see how a game of Onslaught plays, they're going to see all those reviews, because this happened to me, this happened to me, they're going to see all those reviews, and those reviews don't show the game like they show the game scenario but they don't show tournament games they don't show competitive games they don't show how that happens and once again that's the main reason i made whiz that is because one i wanted to shed light on all the games WizKids creates but i also wanted to say i also wanted to say hey listen here's onslaught an amazing game it's competitive here's content based off of it and we need more of that as a community. That way we can have more people engaged in tournaments. People saying, whoa, that's a cool thing. Whoa, that's a... The ancient construct is awesome. Because it is. So those are my four main things I think going into 2024. We as a community for Onslaught need to work on. One, start building your local communities. And that means you. Yes, you, listener. Go out there and start a local community. You could do it from this, from your home if you want to. And you could just Zoom people if you want to also. You'd be like, oh, you, you don't have time to meet me at the store? Okay, listen, I can. we could do a Zoom call. 
I can turn on my camera and show the game and like explain it a little bit. Ideally, you want to meet them in the store. But let's also, you know, look at buildings, the website, building a database showing onslaught pieces. Let's get Roll20 going. Get some onslaught. On, it's really hard to, hard to say online onslaught. Uh, online slot. No, that doesn't sound good. Uh, online onslaught going on Roll20. And then let's get more content creators. If anybody wants to come on my podcast and talk about Onslaught, let me know. I I typically do just, you know, a very shorter podcast. And I kind of record them the day of, so I have the most up-to-date information. But if you're interested in coming onto an Onslaught podcast and talking about it, let me know. Always looking for people to hop on and talk Onslaught. But don't be afraid to make your own YouTube videos. Even if it's just you behind a camera talking about Red Wizards and why you love Staghar. Even if it's making just YouTube shorts talking about the game. There's plenty of stuff we as a community could do to keep this game going. Because we have a game that is well supported by the designers and by the company. And not a lot of games have that. Some games have just a silent company. They push out product and they go blank until the next set is ready to release so that's going to do it for this episode of gwiz um i didn't really mean to get on a soapbox but it was kind of a state of onslaught address of where i think onslaught what we need as a community for onslaught to succeed and also we talked about an ancient construct that is pretty awesome if you haven't already talk to your local see if they could go ahead and get that order the op kit um, so that way you can start running events because you know what showing that giant construct to people might get them into the game just saying but once again thank you for listening family and i will talk to you next time have a great day